will not be taken in again. But as soon as dusk falls, she weaves her web of fantasy anew, and he thinks, once more, tonight I am Scheherazade. The Hermit Chapter One Don't look at me that way, I can't bear it. You're thinking how much I have changed. You see the young man in the picture, his clear, pale brow, curling dark hair, his untroubled eyes, and you wonder how he could be me. The carelessly arrogant set of the jaw, the high cheekbones, the long, tapered fingers seemed to hint at some hidden, exotic lineage, although the bearing is unmistakably English. That was me at thirty-nine. Look at me carefully, and remember, I could have been you. My father was a minister near Oxford, my mother the daughter of a wealthy Oxfordshire landowner. My childhood was untroubled, sheltered, idyllic. I remember going to church on Sundays, singing in the choir, the coloured light from the stained-glass windows like a shower of petals on the white surplices of the choristers. The black angel seems to shift imperceptibly, and in her eyes I sense an echo of the pitiless comprehension of God. This is not a time for imagined nostalgia, Henry Paul Chester. He needs your truth, not your inventions. Do you think to fool God? Ridiculous that I should still feel the urge to deceive, I who have lived nothing but a life of deceit for over forty years. The truth is a bitter decoction. I hate to uncork it for this last meeting. And yet I am what I am. For the first time I can dare to take God's words for myself. This is no sweetened fiction. This is Henry Chester. Judge me if you wish. I am what I am. There was, of course, no idyllic childhood. My early years are blank. My memories begin at age seven or eight, impure, troubled memories even then, as I felt the serpent groan within me. I do not remember a time when I was not conscious of my sin, my guilt. No surplus, however white, could hide it. It gave me wicked thoughts. It made me laugh in church. It made me lie to my father and cross my fingers to extinguish the lie. There were samplers on the wall of every room of our house, embroidered by my mother with texts from the Bible. Even now I see them, especially the one in my room, stark on the white wall opposite my bed. I am that I am. As I passed the summers and winters of my boyhood, in my moments of peace and the contemplation of my solitary vices, I watched that sampler and sometimes, in my dreams, I cried out at the cruel indifference of God. But I always received the same message, stitched now forever in the intricate patterns of my memory. I am that I am. My father was God's man, and more frightening to me than God. His eyes were deep and black, and he could see right into the hidden corners of my guilty soul. His judgment was as pitiless and impartial as God's own, untainted by human tenderness. 
What affection my father had, he lavished on his collection of mechanical toys, for he was an antiquarian of sorts, and had a whole room filled with them, from the very simplest of counterweighted wooden figures to the dreamlike precision of his Chinese barrel organ with its hundred prancing dwarves. Of course, I was never allowed to play with them. They were too precious for any child. But I do remember the dancing columbine. She was made of fine porcelain and was almost as big as a three-year-old child. Father told me, in one of his rare moments of informality, that she was made by a blind French craftsman in the decadent years before the Revolution. Running his fingers across her flawless cheek, he told me the story— how she had belonged to some spoiled king's bastard brat, abandoned among rotting brocades, when the terror struck and godless heads rolled with the innocent.